Amen. Amen. That's right. You can clap. You know, it's okay to have fun at church, don't you? You know, occasionally there might be a weird car that shows up in the parking lots with people with weird hair and stuff. Does anybody remember the 80s? All right. Anyone out there? Now, I talked to our, our new youth pastor, uh, his wife, Yana. I was talking to her about the series and what we're doing. He's like, I don't remember. I was born in 1990. Uh, so if you were born in 1990, we're happy for you that you're so young. But the 80s was awesome, and uh, we're going to celebrate the 80s for a couple of weeks. In fact, in two weeks, not next week, but two weeks, we're going to have 80s Flashback Sunday. All right? So you can wear your clothes from your 80, the 80s that you still have in your closet. Get a mental picture right now. What did your hair look like back in the 80s? And, and did you have, like, some kind of spray in it, some kind of color? Was your hair crimped in any way uh, back in the 80s? You can go there. You have permission. What's that? The spiral perm, right? All right. Now, some people are still living there, and that's okay. Just come like you are that day. It's okay. No judgment. We're just, just be yourself. Uh, but grab your stuff from the 80s. It's going to be a fun week. This, tomorrow is the big day in the, across the Cypher area. It's the first day of school back in Cypher schools. Yeah, I saw this video. I don't know if you saw this, but this mom kind of produced video. Moms sending their kids off to school, tears in their eyes. They get on the bus. They turn around. They're like, yes, it's here. School's here. And we're excited school's back. Hopefully you're excited to get back in the routine, the flow of, of all that is uh, the school year. On Wednesday night, our kids' events and our, our teen events are kicking back off again. 6.45 is when things get started. And uh, we'd love for your students to be here, your kids to be here. We got a brand new children's pastor. She's amazing. She's already starting to do some cool things down in the children's department. Uh, we're going to have a luncheon today. If you didn't get the memo on this, we're having a luncheon just to welcome her. But also, she's going to share some ideas, some vision things uh, for the department. We'd love for you to come if you have kids. And even if you didn't sign up, come on. We're going to have lunch. It's going to be fun. In your worship folder, there is a card that looks just like this. And uh, with the start of the new school year, we just want to give you a chance, an opportunity to, uh, to invest in the lives of kids, students, children. And maybe you're saying, you know, I feel kind of a tug. You know, God's kind of tugging at my heart to do something. You know, when we think about children and youth and you're thinking, well, you know, I can't teach or I can't lead or I can't sing, or we kind of start to eliminate things. But there's a lot of stuff that you can do uh, to be a huge factor in the lives of a kid, investing in them. So if God's tugging in your heart, just fill that out, put your email address, and we're going we're gonna to contact you about what God could be using you in in that area. This Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we have a chance to serve in the community. In Wilburn, our, our adopted school, they do this thing called, in most schools, Bus Buddies, where they're basically helping kids to get where they're supposed to get. I heard a story the other day of someone that forgot to get off at their bus stop because they actually fell asleep when they were a, a kid. We're trying to help those kids to get home. Uh, so they're pretty desperate, to be honest. Pastor Michelle is going to be in the lobby afterwards. If you would like to sign up to help, it's just right after school, those three days. Uh, we'd love some help with, uh, with our school, Wilburn, there. Lots of cool things. We want you to stand up right now. We want you to get into the, the feeling of worship. I don't know what they did back in the day in the 80s as far as like, I think, was it just the high five? Was the high five invented in the 80s? 
I think it was too. There was definitely no fist pounding, but whatever you wanna do this morning to welcome each other, do it now. We're gonna meet each other, we're gonna greet each other and get ready to worship. All right, so you're finding your spots. Got a chance to worship with a whole bunch of people at uh, Berry Center on, on Friday night, the Hillsong or concert. It was awesome, amazing concert, Hillsong was. And I love worshiping. I love being with God's people and uh, there's something about that atmosphere. This morning, I want us to hear some scripture this morning from Philippians chapter three. And it says this, Philippians chapter three says this, everything is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have decided, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I can count and gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. This morning, we have a chance to experience the power of Christ in this room, in this place. We enter this place, we sing songs, we're reminded of the, the, the word of the Lord, and that gives us power, that gives us strength. I don't know about you, but I need that power today. We all need that power to face tomorrow and God is gonna give it to us. Let's worship him with all of our hearts. Let's don't hold anything back, but let's sing with our hearts and our minds with, with everything in us this morning. Let's praise him. I am excited about the series we're in, uh, Back to the Future, excited about what God's gonna show us through his word, but I have to tell you, I'm excited about going back to the 80s, all right? Can you go back to the 80s with me a little bit? So remember, we had some cool games back in the 80s, didn't we? Uh, remember this thing? I could never conquer the Rubik. I didn't get it. Uh, maybe I wasn't smart enough, I didn't have that in my, I, I don't know, I couldn't get it. Other cool games, uh, the best, the be Atari was the best. Pac-Man, uh, Pitfall, remember Pitfall? Then just Pong, yeah. These kids, they don't understand what good games are these days. Uh, we also had some amazing, I believe, uh, amazing bands, yeah. I remember coming home and telling, trying to convince my mom that Bon Jovi was a Christian group because they sang, living on a prayer. You remember, that's right, living on a prayer. That's amazing shows too, back when TV was good TV. Melmac, Alf, yeah, a couple of other shows that were good. I guarantee there were some guys in this room that tried to be Don Johnson and had the jacket. You can wear that in two weeks, bring it out, bring it out. Uh, other shows, The Cosby, my favorite growing up in the 80s, and uh, the A-Team was there. I love it when a plan comes together. Uh, we also had some great, I think, clothes too. Uh, did anybody have any parachute pants? Parachute pants? Yeah, I remember going to the skating rink and we were, we were skating. Remember, you actually roller skated back in the day uh, to MC Hammer, Can't Touch This, uh, which is like the eight, late 80s there. 
But a lot of fun things in the 80s, including the movie Back to the Future. And uh, to catch some of you guys up, if you've seen it, shake your head just this way. If not, then don't do anything. Uh, just act like everyone else. A couple of things to catch us up to remember. The main the story is about this kid by the name of Marty McFly that uh, it had an adventure through time. We joined him back in the year of 1985 where this kid is friends with this slightly goofy scientist inventor named Doc Brown. And Doc Brown, he has an inventor, invents things and invents this DeLorean, this car. And uh, he, to have this car, he needs to you know, have plutonium that he stole from, do you remember the, the nationalists? The Libyans, he stole it from the Libyans, uh, yes. And that wasn't a good idea because they hunted them down, Marty and uh, Doc Brown in the parking lot of the mall. What was the name of that mall? The Twin Pines Mall, that's right. And he jumped into the, uh, as he's getting chased by these, uh, the Libyans, uh, Doc actually gets shot. Do you remember that? He gets shot by the Libyans. And Marty jumps in the time machine and he returns to what year? 1955, 30 years before. He bumps into his parents who were in high school and their names were George and Lorraine. George and Lorraine, hello McFly, hello McFly, accidentally causing them when he bumps into them to not magically meet like they're supposed to and thus altering the course of time. Uh, we also meet the bad guy in the story. His name is Biff, Biff. And his gang, which by the way included, uh, there is a guy that's in the gang, I don't know if you know this, Billy Zane. Remember Billy Zane, the bad guy from Titanic? He was in the crew of, of, of Biff's. Biff has a couple of funny encounters with a manure truck. Remember the manure truck? Yeah, pretty funny stuff there with the skateboard there. And if you remember throughout the movie, Marty is trying to uh, change history back so his parents can meet. He has this picture of his brother and sister and the brother and sister are disappearing. Eventually he disappears. And so what happens is at the conclusion of the first movie, they have to, he's trying to get his parents back together at a certain dance. Do you remember the name of the dance? The Enchantment Under the Sea. Is it right behind me? You guys are on it. Enchantment Under the Sea Dance, where we join Marvin Berry as Marty sings the song, Johnny Be Good. Amazing movie. Uh, it also, it, it won like an award, the Academy Award for Special Effects. We think about that, 1985, this movie. If you look, watch it this week, you're gonna go, whoa. We have really gained in some special effects. Uh, Thank you to, we made a sweet couple that volunteered to bring their car here this morning. Uh, Jeff and Kimberly, uh, great, great folks. We're glad that they were having it there. But I want us to think about this morning is, if you could go back, if you could go back in time, not just 1955, but can go back any time and change, or let's just say it witness history, what events would you want to witness? What would you want to see? What would you want to be there for? Share with your neighbor real quick. If you could go back in time to one year, what year would it be? Share with your neighbor really quick. All right, just, let's just yell out a couple of years. 1776, oh, nerd alert. <laughs> 
History. That's, that's a good one. It's a good year. It's a good year. Somebody else. When? 1908. Does anybody know 1908? The last year the Cubs went to the World, the World Series. Thank you. That's similar to my answer. I, if I could go back, I'd go back to October 14th, 2003. Kent, do you remember what happened that day? There was a guy by the name of Steve Bartman that was at a Cubs game, and he reached out and he touched a ball that would have gone into Moises Alou's glove. The Cubs would have gotten the out. They would have won the game, and they would have won the World Series that year. Yep, would have. I would have been there, and I would have bought a ticket to that game, and I would have pulled Bartman back, saving his life from turmoil for the rest of forever, and we would have won. If you could go back and change an event, what would you change? Would it be some kind of historic thing that would be good for all of humanity? Uh, would it be the most embarrassing moment of your life? I would probably go back to, if we're talking about embarrassing moments, my grandmother owned a beauty shop in the 80s, and she would experiment on my hair. <laughs> she basically forced me to grow a mullet and then perm the mullet. <laughs> this right here was not meant to be permed, and, and this is just all I got right here. I, I don't have much style. It's just short, and this is it, Okay. So perm mullet in the 80s, that was some scare. I wish I could go back. No, Grandma, I don't care how many cookies you give me. No, not going to happen. What would you go back and change? Maybe we would all go back to the year 2005 when we drafted, the Houston Texans drafted who? Travis, do anybody remember? Sports fans, Travis Johnson, I think his name was. Does he, we don't know his name because he wasn't a great player. Eight picks later, guess who was drafted? MVP, Super Bowl winner, Aaron Rodgers. What would the Texans be like if we had Aaron Rodgers? Ironically, you know who was drafted number 250 in that draft? Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is now our, cur our current quarterback, which will be fine this year. I'm sure we'll do great. The Texans will. If you could go back, what would you change? What decisions would you change? How would you change history? And maybe you're saying to me, oh, you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. I like the way everything turned out. We've kind of grown through that. But you know what? And, and I've said that before. I think we, our experiences make us who we are. But you know what? If we were really honest, there are some moments that we would all go back and we wish that we could change. We're seeing our kids go to school and we think about teens and students. Uh, I don't know how many times I've heard parents, and I'm, I'm already starting to think these thoughts, that, that parents say, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did. I mean, we, we say those. We see that in the lives of kids, and we're like, man, if I could, and if I could just go back, I would do things differently. I, I would study harder. I would focus more. I would get, you know, this is my career path. I would do this. I would do that. I would avoid this. I think we would all would, would say that to a certain degree. But you know what? Our desire in this series is not to revel in the past. The past is, is, is done. But we want to look to the future. In fact, the, the verse we want to focus on is this, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. It says this, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. This is what I want you to do right now. I know this is a little tough for some of you guys. I want you to close your eyes real quick. And I want you to think 
about the future. What does your future look like? Think ahead. I want you to think right now. Think about five years from now. What does what your, 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 your family look like? What do your kids look like? What does your life look like? How are things five years? If everything projects the same right now, if you're on the same path that you're living right now in your life, what does the future look like? Five years. Now, I want you to think about 10 years from now. Think 10 years from now. Some of you are going, man, I hope I can make it 10 years. It's okay, we're all, hey, think 10 years ahead, the future. Think about that in your life. You maybe want to visualize what you think your kids are gonna look like if things continue in the same path that you're going on right now in life. What is your, let me ask you this, what does your marriage look like 10 years from now? If you keep going on the same direction, the same course that it's going right now. If you're married now, are you still married? Now I want you to think 20 years. 20 years in the future. What does that look like? Now, you can open your eyes. If, if with, with all that kind of just thinking about these thoughts, what if, what if we could get, see a picture of the future and we could actually go back to the present? What if we could take a awesome car from the 80s, see a picture of the future, how would we live differently today? Because I think if we got an accurate picture of what the future looks like, we saw what, if we were continue to go the way we're going, I think it would change everything for us. I think it would. Christmas Carol, what happens? Ebenezer Scrooge gets a picture of what the future looks like and it, it just rocks his world. It changes him forever. That's, that's our hope, that's our desire. 1996, there were some guys from Procter and Gamble and they were in a room together and they were basically kind of, I don't know if you've had one of those frustrating, wanna beat your head on the table frustration kind of thing, but they were having that moment you see these advertising guru guys, they were in this room and they were just, they just couldn't figure it out, the problem. You see, three years earlier in 1993, some scientists were in a lab and one scientist was playing around with the formula for something, we don't even know what it was. He comes home and, and his wife says, honey, did you stop smoking? And he goes, no, I haven't stopped smoking. I, mean, you know, I know you've been wanting me to stop smoking, but I haven't. He said, well, I don't smell the smoke on you anymore. And what they accidentally discovered was a formula that actually eliminates odor, like just eradicates it completely. And so when they figured that out, they said, we've gotta get into a room where it's top secret. The guys at P&G were like, okay, no one's gotta know about this. We're gonna put millions of dollars into this. We're gonna actually invent something that eradicates bad odors. And when we release it, it's gonna make billions, billions. Do you know what that product name is? Febreze. Febreze. So in 1996, they'd done tests. They'd send out free samples. They, they'd gotten all this information and they released Febreze to the market, to the world. And one week goes by, sales are not great. Two weeks go by, sales are actually dipping now. A month goes by, uh, two months go by, and Febreze is actually losing steam. And they, they're at the point where they're just gonna, we should just kill it. Nobody wants to buy it. Nobody wants to buy this thing that, that kills bad odor. And they could not, this actually works. I don't know if you know that, but Febreze actually works. And 
So they were trying to figure out, well, how can we, the marketing, we've got to figure out something, we did something wrong. So they went back to some of the test groups, some of the people they handed out these free samples to, and they went to houses. They went to one house, and before they went to go knock on the door, they could smell something. And it was the smell, very distinct smell of cats, all right? Cats. That how you could just knew there was going to be a lady with cats. And, and surely when they knocked on the door, a lady lived by herself with nine cats. And the smell, the door opens, whoosh, okay? And uh, so they walk in, and they go into the living room to talk. And one, they say in the, in, in the book that I was reading that one of the researchers actually gagged, physically gagged uh, when he got into the room. But they noticed something else about the house. The lady was a, kind of a neat freak. She, everything was in place. I began to talk to her, and she kept everything almost perfect and vacuumed, and the, and the windows closed, not to keep dust, not to get dust in from outside. It was very strange. They could not wrap their minds around this. And then they finally get to the question, hey, uh, do you have that Febreze that we gave you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the closet over here. Pull it out completely full. And uh, they just kind of, you know, so how often do you notice the uh, smell? With, you know, you got cats, just kind of, oh, I notice it maybe once a month, but not really that much at all. I notice the smell. And they say, turned to her and look at, looked to her in the eye and said, so you don't notice the smell right now? She said, no, absolutely not. And suddenly it hit them that people, after a while, they don't smell what they're in their environment. And who needs a spray that would cure that environment if they don't have it? And so what happened is, the long story short, basically, they figured out through research that they had to add something to it, like a, a fragrance smell. Have you noticed that Febreze always has fragrant smells like flowers or lilacs or, or clean mint or laundry or whatever they put in it, right? It's always that because it becomes an air freshener instead of what it really is. It eliminates odors. It does it. But no one smells it. No one smells that there's stuff in their lives that stink. It hit me hard this week. I had one of those moments. Ooh, I, I had, actually, it was, it was a week and a half ago. So about a year and a half, two, about a year and a half, I was like on this kick, okay, this weight loss kick. I knew I was overweight. I lost about 35 pounds, okay? Well, I noticed about six months ago that I started to, you know, those cool new uh, slender pants that I had and outfits, they were starting to get a little uh, tighter. Uh, and, uh, but I didn't, you know, the laundry, they shrink things sometimes. And, uh, and, and I started noticing just, I don't feel, you know, I don't feel as fit. I don't, I'm just kind of getting winded. And I go upstairs to the youth room. Um, and I, I had this moment about a, a, a week and a half ago. I had not stepped on a scale in about, six months. And I was doing it on purpose. I was like, I don't want to go to the scale. I know what I'm going to see. And of course, I, I gained about 20 pounds back. But I needed to see it. it, it I didn't want to believe it. But when I saw it, I was like, yep. We need one of those scale moments. And my prayer for you, my prayer for us, is we have one of those moments that we realize that if we keep going the way that we're going, if you keep going in the projected path that you're going, that the future is not what we want it to be. The future is not what God wants it to be for you, for your family, maybe for your marriage. 
And here is the chance that we have. And I really believe it. This is a chance, a unique opportunity for us to change history. And I pray, I pray that God gives you a very clear vision of what the future looks like for you if you continue to go where you're going. Because I know this, God has a plan for each one of us. He says this, one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. He has a future for each one of us. He has some things that he wants for each of us. I believe wholeheartedly there's some things that God wants for our lives. He wants every single one of us to follow him, to know him, to love him. He has been desperately seeking after you from the moment you were born, desiring and hoping to have relationship with you. He says this in 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave us his life to purchase freedom for everyone. He wants all of us to follow him. He wants you to be growing in your faith. He, don't want you, he doesn't want you to have a stagnant faith that is the same. You know, he, he, say, he says this, Paul says this, that some of us are infants still. We're, we're not even ready for solid food because we're still immature in faith. And we've, some of us have been immature for a long time. He wants us to grow in our faith. God wants us, he wants you to have power over sin in your life. He doesn't want sin to be master over you. He wants you to have the victory through him. Greek class wasn't very good at it, but what do you do when you study a language most of the time if you're a teenager? You learn and remember the what? The curse words. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. The curse words. I was in Greek class at a Christian school at Trevecca, and I remembered I was halfway asleep one day, and my Greek professor dropped the H-no phrase in Greek class. And he says, this phrase right here, translated to today's language, is H-no. And of course, I remember meganoita to this day. I don't remember anything else. Meganoita, just throw that out there, okay? Now, what's the context of meganoita? The context of the Bible is this. Romans 6 says this. Because of God's grace that he's given us through the cross, should we just keep on sinning because grace abounds? Meganoita. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. And he goes on to talk about why we shouldn't. And it says this. Don't let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your body, whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. He wants to give us freedom from sin. Why? Because sin kills it destroys. It destroys families. It destroys marriages. It destroys kids' lives. It destroys us. It does. And God wants us to have freedom from that. He doesn't want, if we look in the future, he doesn't want the same things to continue to keep you down in your relationship with him and to keep you back from the, the, the hope and the future that he has for you. He doesn't want that. He wants us to raise our kids and our families in knowing Christ and a foundation of knowing him that he is at the center of that. He wants us to know 
He wants our kids to know and to love him. Deuteronomy 6, five through nine talks about this. And as we think about school and getting back to school, this is a great verse to think about. He wants us to love the Lord your God with all of our hearts and our souls and our minds and strength. And he must, this is a command to us that we would commit ourselves wholeheartedly to these commands. Repeat them again and again to our children. Talk about them when you get up and when you are on the road. Talk about them when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Talk about them when you're in the school line. Talk about them when they're getting up in school, when you're putting them to bed, when you're cooking dinner. Talk about the Lord all the time. Let me tell you, one of the joys of my heart is when my son, he goes and I see him open a door for anyone, but specifically a, a, a lady. That just like warms my heart. It just reminds me of when my dad, I never saw my dad go in in front of someone else. He always opened the door for people. That is in my veins. And I am hopefully passing those traits on to my kid as well. We do that as, as parents. We pass on these things to our kids. These character traits, they're watching you. And I, I hope that you know this before they go to school tomorrow. I wasn't a youth pastor that long ago. And, and don't be convinced of the lie that's out there, that friends and the world is the number one influencer. It's not true. Parents are the number one influencer in the lives of students. Anything that I've read tells you that. The character traits that you're building within them, they are in their veins. Now, can we be honest? There are some broken hearts in the room this morning, some kids that are away from the Lord. They have these in their veins, but they've chosen, there's free will to choose another direction, but that doesn't mean that they're gone. They're still there, okay? And so we pray, we hope, we hope that the Lord begins to, to speak and turns things around in their life, but those things are there. What are you building in the lives of our kids? Let me tell you, they're watching too. They're watching. When you're going to church and you're like, gotta go to church, you roll your eyes. You don't think that they see the rolling eyes? What does that tell them? Well, church is a chore. I don't wanna pray. You know, somebody else pray, somebody else do that. Well, prayer is just, pfft. they're watching everything. Parents, we're huge influencers. God wants us to have a healthy marriage. He wants us to have God at the center of every one of our marriages. And when that happens, man, you can face anything, can't you? You can face anything that this world throws at you. But when he's not at the center, man, it's really easy to go down a slippery slope of dysfunction in this world. I, I love the 1 Corinthians 13 passage. It's a great passage of scripture. It's read at a lot of weddings. What, what if people actually read that all the time together, like every day, and just remembered what love was and what God has designed for us? He wants us, God desires in us to build the kingdom of God up in this world, to, to, to serve others, to love others, to use your gifts for the kingdom. He did not make you the way you are to serve you and just to build your kingdom. He made you and he wants for you in your world and your life for you to build the kingdom of God up. He gives us a scary picture. In Matthew 25, he's talking to his disciples and he's teaching them. And he says, one day I'm gonna sit on my throne. This is, he gives a, a vision of the future. He says, this is what the future holds. One day I'm gonna sit on a throne and I'm going to have everyone in front of me and I'm gonna separate those who are sheep and those who are goats. You remember that scene in Matthew 25? 
and he's gonna turn to the people that are the goats and say, I'm sorry, I, I don't know you. Go away to eternal trouble. Why are you going that way? Why, Lord? Well, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was naked, you didn't give me any clothes. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me and you didn't help me when I needed a place to stay. When did we see you? What you did for the least of these, you did to me. Then he, he turns to those who are the sheep that are, are going to heaven, and it's like the same conversation. He says, you know, you saw me, you gave me food to eat, you gave me something to drink, you visited me. He goes through this list again, and I love this part. When did we see you? They didn't even know what they were doing. It was such in their veins of who they were. They didn't, they weren't doing it for a pat. They were doing it because it was just who they were. And the kingdom of heaven is yours. God has called us to serve, to love, not to live for ourselves. These are some things that God wants for you and for our, your future and your lives and for your kids. There's, there's a date that I remember very specifically. January 13, 1995, it was a scary date. It was the day that I found out a friend of mine from high school actually passed away in a car accident. And Philip Devine, he was a great friend of mine and, and, and we played basketball together. He was the first one that taught me how to, uh, to do a reverse layup. Amazing basketball player, played for the varsity team as a freshman. And it rocked my world when he died. And not just because of his death, but because I remember specifically God telling me to tell Philip about him. I, I, I felt that. And to be honest, I was a coward. I was afraid of what people would think. I was afraid of what he would think. I knew he had a different faith and I was afraid. And so when I found out, when I went through the life of, went to his funeral, dying too young, and I, I felt the weight of that. And, and, and it, it frightens me to think of this. And I know we don't wanna look in the past, but I wanna take us one second into the past. Who in the last 10 years have you influenced to one day be in the kingdom? Can you think of a name? Can you think of a person? I don't wanna say that in 10 years. I don't wanna say that in 20 years. I don't want you to say that because that's what God, God has called us to be as disciples, to go and to seek and to save what is lost. That's our mission. We just talked all about that this summer and it's a beautiful mission. Now here's some things though. We've gotta be honest with ourselves. We gotta have kind of a moment here. And to help us, I mean, you've seen The Office. Anyone seen The Office before? Quick scene uh, from The Office. I have to reboot again. Hey, Dwight, do you want an Altoid? What do you think? In school, we learned about this scientist who trained dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell by feeding them whenever a bell rang. So for the past couple weeks, I've been conducting a similar experiment. Dwight, one Altoid? Okay. Altoid? Sure. Bentwight? Bentwight? Yes. What are you doing? I... What? I don't know. I... 
Jim. I love Jim. All right, those of you who have dogs, have you ever had an electric fence before? A visible electric fence? Dog goes, gets shocked, and he learns by error there. They don't go that direction. What happens when you take that fence away? He still doesn't go there, okay? He still doesn't go because he's learned kind of the boundaries. Sometimes there are lies in our lives that form boundaries, lies that we've been telling ourselves for a while. Things like, I can't change. Things will never change. My parents were like this. I'm just gonna be like this. I'm just who I am. Don't judge me. That's just the way it is, okay? Uh, There's a scene that kind of, uh, in the the movie, uh, Back to the Future, that kind of perpetuates that a little bit. It's from the very beginning. You knew there would be at least one clip from Back to the Future, and here it is. All right, come on. I think we're safe. You know, this time it wasn't my fault. Mr. Strickland? The doc said all his clock's 25 minutes slow. Doc, I might understand you're still hanging around with Dr. Emmett Brown McFly. Party stuff for you, Miss Parker. And one for you, McFly. I believe that makes four in a row. Now, let me give you Nichols with a free advice, young man. The so-called Dr. Brown is dangerous. He's a real nutcase. You hang around with him, you're going to end up in big trouble. Oh, yes, sir. You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. You remind me of your father when he went here. He was a slacker, too. Can I go now, Mr. Strickland? I notice your band is on the roster for the dance auditions after school today. Why even bother, McFly? You don't have a chance. You're too much like your old man. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is going to change. Some bad cycles. Parents give us some, you know, I don't know if you're at that place where you're like starting to see some of the cycles in your life that have been passed on. There's kind of this lie that you can't break those cycles. That's a lie. There's things that we tell ourselves that are lies as, as well, that you, you can't do this and you, and you can't do that. And, and that's what the enemy would use in your life. But I love that line. That love that line. History is about to change. It's going to change, and it changes when we get past the excuses. We see those even in Scripture. In John chapter 5, there's a story where Jesus comes up to this pool, the pool of Bethesda. You remember that story? There's a man that's been there around this pool that's been sick, an invalid, for 38 years. We don't know exactly the, the sickness, but it kind of seems like it has something to do with not being able to walk. He's on a mat, and there's a story about how the pool is, is stirred, and if the, the first person that gets in would actually be healed. And so Jesus comes up, and he asks a question, which is kind of a strange question, if you think about it. When you ask someone that's been sick for 38 years, what's the question? Do you want to get well? And you, you kind of feel like that the response should be, duh, of course I want to get well. I've been sick for 38 years. I've been caught in this cycle this mess for 30 I want to get out but what's his response look at scripture I can't I can't for I have no one to put me in the pool with the butters bubble up and Jesus heals him now something's very interesting about the story he's he's healed and then he gets up he picks up his mat and walks like Jesus tells him to do and then someone from the temple sees him he's like you're not supposed to be working on Sunday what are you doing who healed you he didn't know who it was Jesus comes back and he finds him. And and what does he say? He says, go and sin no more. 
And then the guy, what does he do right after that? He goes and tells on Jesus. He says, hey, it was that Jesus guy who did that. Which is all kind of strange, okay? First of all, this guy's been sick. He, he was like, he asked a question like, do you want to get well? The guy's response is nothing but excuses. And then when he does get healed, it's like, what if someone gets so caught up in the way and the, the lifestyle that they're living that they don't even want to leave? I wonder if a week later, even healed, this guy was still at the pool because he hadn't seen any other life than what he'd seen there. Begging, getting money that way, or just, just the, the life of, hey, I can't do anything. This is just who I am. I wonder. We've got to get it past the excuses if we want to claim the future that God has for us. You are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream, C.S. Lewis said, for there is nothing impossible with God. And from a human perspective, things look impossible. From God's perspective, they are not. History is about to change. It can change. I'm gonna give you two very quick steps as we think about this first week about what God has for us for the future. The very first thing is this. And I want you to ask yourself this question. You've, hopefully you've got a worship folder. What in your life does God want you to want? What does he want you to want for the future? What is there something intentional that he wants you to focus on in your life right now? What area of your life does he want you to, to take a look at that will affect your future and the future of others? Because it's not just you we're talking about. Because your decisions for the next set of years will affect multiple, multiple people. So what is it that God wants you to do? And I want you to think about this. I want you to pray about this. I don't want you to just make an emotional thing. I want you to begin to really process this. God, what do you have for my life? What do you want me to focus on? What do you want me to do? What area? What, maybe it's marriage. Maybe it is with your family. Maybe it's with your, your, your spiritual life. And, and things that go along with that. Maybe it's, hey, I, I want to, I, I want to help others, and I want to focus more on that li my life. There's, there's lots of possibilities that is God speaking to you today. And the next question is this: What habits and disciplines do you need to start to affect change in the future? What are things that you need to add if you want to be intentional about what God has for you? Those things are not going to happen by accident. You have to focus on what are the things that God wants you to do to start now. There's a book that I've talked about a couple times. I love it. It's a secular book. It's a great one to read. Uh, if you're into, you're thinking about how you want to change some things, it's called The Power of Habit. And what they talk about is that each of us have a keystone habit. It's a small habit that we do that actually creates momentum for other habits, other disciplines in your life. And when you do that thing, it actually triggers other disciplines as well. I discovered my keystone habits is uh, I put my clothes out. When, when I put my shoes, specifically when I find my shoes the night before and I, I put them out, it basically kind of gets me ready. I'm thinking about the, I'm, I'm focused. I'm not just like waking up at any time. I've got a plan. My plan is I'm gonna run in the morning. Okay, my clothes are out, they're ready to go. I set my alarm and that leads to a lot of great other things. I, I wake up earlier. I go to run. I feel better about myself. I begin, I have a little bit more time, so I do time in the Word that morning, which affects my attitude and my heart for the rest of the day. I'm just pumped and ready to go, and these things are getting done off my list, bam, 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 because 
I, I started by just putting my shoes out in the morning. That's just a small thing, but it just focuses me that way. There are habits and disciplines that you need to start if you want to affect the future. If you wanna start raising your kids with more of a biblical foundation, then maybe you need to be more intentional about bedtimes or your time in the morning on the way to school. If you want to, if God's saying, hey, there's some financial things in my life right now that I need, and I haven't been thinking about the future. And, and right now I'm such, in a, such a hole right now financially that, that I can't really help others. You may have opportunity to financially help somebody, but you can't right now because you're so strapped. Maybe the next step for you is you need to take a, a financial peace class. You need to begin to think and plan for the future. I, confessionally, I've been terrible at that for the last 10 years. I haven't thought about the future. And so we need to begin to do things now that are going to affect the future in that regard. Maybe your marriage right now, if you're completely honest, it, it, it's kind of rocky. Or maybe if we're, we're very confessional this morning, it's on the edge. What do you need to do to affect change for the future? Maybe it starts with, honey, let, let's pray together before we go to bed every night. Maybe we need to read something together. Maybe you wanna read 1 Corinthians 13. It's really hard to fight with your wife when you lead, read things like love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not self-centered. Man, maybe that's the, 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 the first step. Or to be honest, maybe the first step, you know it. God's been talking about it. You need to, to go to counseling. That's a big step, but that's maybe what God's calling you to do in your marriage. Maybe if you're just confessional this morning, your attitude about life just stinks. You're just kind of a negative Nancy, a Debbie Downer about everything. Maybe tomorrow morning, tonight, it starts with, I need to download some worship music. And that 30 minutes that I'm fighting traffic and you just wanna, why is that person pulling out in front of me? <laughs> On Parker Cypress, it's been like that for three months now. Maybe you just need to listen to some praise music and get your praise on in the morning. And that's gonna be the roll into the rest of your day. Your heart and your attitude is, is gonna change. What is it that God is calling you to do? Maybe your life is, is, is your spiritual light is pretty flat right now. Maybe you can't remember the last time that you got into God's word other than, than now. Think about my friend, Michael Kreider. He was, he was saying about a couple, I think it was a couple years ago. He said, you know what, confessionally, I've never read through the whole Bible before. I haven't read the Bible. I feel like I don't, I can't talk to people about the Bible because I haven't read it. And so he made a plan. He made a focus that, you know what, I'm gonna read through the entire Bible. And he did, he did. When each of us are in that place of, you know what, there's some things that I want to think about for the future and I want to change for the future. Man, there's a momentum that's built as a group. Worship band is coming up. I want us to leave us with one thought. Whatever God is thinking, he's putting something on your heart right now. We're gonna continue to talk about things, but what is it intentionally that God wants you to focus on? And what do you need to start to affect change for the future? Now, there's, there's some who are gonna go, you know what, I've done, I've tried this before, I've thought this before, I've tried to do something before, I started this before, and it doesn't work. I am weak, I know it, I can't. I can't. That's the enemy that's talking to you this morning. And I wanna leave you with this, this verse from 2 Corinthians 12, nine. It says this, each time he said, this is Paul, my grace is all you need. This is God speaking to Paul. He says this, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 
So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work in you. Hey, I'm weak. I am weak. You are weak. There's some areas you're super strong and you're, you're a giant, but there's some areas and you know it that you're a pushover. And there's things that you want to do, but you just have said, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. God is powerful enough for all of us to affect change for the future that will affect your lives and our lives in such a huge, huge way. Take advantage of this opportunity. Rely on his power and his strength because he wants to obliterate any stronghold in your life. He wants to blow it away. He wants to blow it away and realize this morning that our God is big enough. He's strong enough to overcome anything that's going on in your world, okay? So this morning as we sing, as we, as we, we praise, we're gonna sing about this Christ that's enough for any of us. And we're gonna talk about this decision. I have decided because it is a decision. And you think about the decisions that we make. Having a healthy marriage, it's a decision. It's a decision. It's a love, but it's a decision. To raise your kids, following God and to love God, it's a decision. It's an emotional one, but it is a physical one. I'm going to do this, this, and this to make that happen. So as we sing, as we praise this morning, make that your prayer. God, we love you. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our, our midst. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of grace. And to be truthful, to be honest, there's not a person in this room, Lord, that doesn't have a past. We all have places that we would wish we could go back. We wish we could change things. We wish that we could make things different or not say the thing that we said or not go the direction that we went or the decision that we made. And God, I pray that you would forgive us. I thank you that you give us the chance for forgiveness and grace and love. And your cross covers it all just in an instant, Lord. We can say, God, I'm sorry. We confess to you this morning. But Lord, God, we do not want to live in the past. Lord, you've given us victory over the past. You've given us victory over things right now in our lives. And God, we lean on that victory and that strength. God, give us a vision. Give us hope in what you want for us, Lord, in our families, God. And may it not stay here this morning. Oh, Lord, help us as we go to be focused, to be intentional, and to start today, to start now, because there's so much that depends on it. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we sing this in your name. Amen.